looking forward to this morning uh, for several weeks, and many of you know uh, Sherry Lewis is going to speak today, and uh, she's amazing, and get you guys to give her a warm hand of applause in a second. But we met Sherry at uh, Webb, Alabama, and she was, she and Ron were chasing God and going to church and Webb from Atlanta because they heard something was going on and they're just chasing God all over the southeast and we just fell in love with Sherry and felt like it was instant family and she's been a member of the school of ministry and speaking of the school uh, it's about to start again and you guys if you're on the bubble you ought to go you ought to do it and it's an amazing experience and and so some of the greatest things in life are the things where you pay a price. And uh, there is a price to pay. It, it costs a lot of time and energy. And But seven years ago, I felt the Lord told me to go. And it's there's been a price of leaving Atlanta, and it's been a price on my business, measured in a lot of money. And yet there's a benefit that is coming that is, is, looks like you, it looks like my kids, it looks like my grandkids, it looks like my business, it looks like so many wonderful things that are changed from generation to generation. So the great things in life have a cost, and usually the great investments return a great return. But Sherry got touched by the school of ministry so much, she said, I think I want to have a heart for Cameroon and do the Bethel Cameroon School of Supernatural Ministry. And here's a lady that says, I was a medical doctor, but I think I want to do something else. I have a different dream. It's a lady who is an author, and she says, I think I want to do a few other things too. And so she's a wonderful life, a wonderful teacher. She's chasing God, just like so many of us. And she's living a life that's bigger than she ever thought she would. And you guys give a warm Bethel Atlanta welcome to one of our own, Sherry Lewis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good morning, Bethel family. So honored, oh, press record, thank you. So honored to, to be here, and thank you so much, Steve, for the opportunity to share. It's always nice to be able to teach at home. It was funny, all week I was like, okay, God, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? Until like 11 o'clock last night, and he pointed out that he'd already given me what to talk about, but it's the same thing that I always talk about, and I'm sick of it, so I know you guys must be sick of it, but he wasn't giving me anything else, so maybe you guys aren't getting it. Maybe it's y'all's fault. <laughs> That's what it is. So real quickly, how did I get to Cameroon? I mean, I was a medical doctor for many years, hated being a medical doctor, didn't want to do it. You know how you kind of sign up for something in life that you didn't really want to do and you find yourself in it for years and years and get unhappier and unhappier and unhappier by the year. And then you just finally either go crazy or you just learn how to 
do it. And I never learned how to kill my brain and kill my soul and kill my heart and kill my desires enough to stay there. There were so many prophetic words that God had given me about ministry, about going to the nations, preaching in stadiums, impacting people's lives. And I wanted to get to that life. I didn't want to live the boring doctor life anymore. It's great for some people, dad and my dad and my sister. It's great for y'all, but it just wasn't for me. So I got sick of it to the point where I got really, really depressed and uh, finally took off from work, went to Jamaica, sat on the beach with God for a week, whining and crying and complaining and how we do. Oh God. And I finally said, when are you going to make good on all those promises that you made me all these years? And he says back to me, when are you going to do what I told you to do? And that was like one of those moments where you realize you're waiting on him, but he's actually waiting on you. So came back, quit the job. And I was just, I was in the middle of the second year at Bethel Atlanta. And my last day at work, I got an email from a young lady in Cameroon. She had read my second book, really loved it. We started emailing back and forth. And next thing I knew after graduation, I was on a plane to Cameroon and I went there the first time in July and loved it. Fell in love with the people, fell in love with the country, went back again in November and they completely completely took my heart and no, I was actually just, I was getting ready to graduate. And so after I graduated, I started listening to God about whether that's what I was supposed to do to start a school there, whether it was going to be full time, whether I was going to go back and forth, send in the, the videos and just come and visit every once in a while. But finally got enough prophetic words and enough confirmations and enough just saying, let's just take it and let's just risk it. I put all my stuff on a ship and went over there and we started the Bethel Cameroon School of Supernatural Ministry. And it has been amazing. It's been absolutely awesome. Uh, there were a lot of things that we came up against, a lot of religion and legalism, poverty, orphan spirit, just difficulties. I mean, just the difficulty of having to take a bath out of a bucket. That's just enough for this diva right here. But, you know, you just kind of adjust to those things. And, and it, it's been difficult, but it's been amazingly rewarding. The first year we graduated a class of 32. And then we started again September of last year, and uh, I'll just catch you up on the happenings. Oh. So this is how we started out. This is only half of the actual room that you're seeing. We started out with a full house this year in September. You see Jason there in the back and Jess on the front. This is going to be like a Where's Waldo with Jason. He's almost in every picture. I don't know how that happened. but. <laughs> So we started out with a, a full house um, and just an amazing class of people. We didn't do very much advertising at all. Most of it was word of mouth. People that loved the school, that were blessed by the school, that just wanted to come back and, and, and send their friends back. So we started off with a full house. I was blessed to have a full staff this year. There's a wonderful couple here at the church that makes a beautiful donation every month. And that donation covers four staff members. One of them is that guy standing in the back there. That's my worship leader. And he's just amazing absolutely amazing um and we just have the most awesome worship there are times that we come to class at five and we're supposed to worship for an hour and before we know it we have worshiped ourselves silly and it is eight o'clock at night and we have the most fun i mean we start out like this laughing dancing singing everybody's doing everything and then we end up face down on the floor by the time it's all over so it's just we've we've gone to new places in worship and i think it's opened up a lot of things for a lot of people um in addition 
because I had enough people coming back from the first year that wanted to do a second year, didn't quite make it with the second year, but they just wouldn't leave. They graduated and they're like, we're not leaving. So I'm like, okay, got to find something for you to do. So we started having uh, worship nights and um, prophetic ministry nights where we would invite the community in for prophetic presbytery. And the second years and myself and the staff would prophesy to people and we would have lines going all the way out the door and down the driveway of people waiting for their 15 minutes in the chair to get a prophetic ministry and it just it was really beautiful we really impacted some people really touched some lives and there there again you know we register like a normal school we register in september you're supposed to come in september and if you don't start in september then you just don't get to be in the school no people come they get prophesied to they come to class the next monday i'm like well we've already started school no we're not leaving and they're very adamant we're not leaving. I've got people that start in October, November, December, January that came all the way through graduation and just would say, we are not leaving. So it, it ended up being a great blessing um, to the community there. And uh, this, is, this is Jason in his happy place. He, we would have staff meeting and Jason, right before class, I'm going to get a Coke. Yeah, you do that, Jason. <laughs> um, and we built... A beautiful family life there. This wonderful Bethel family thing that we've got going on there, it, it transfers to other cultures. And it's just been an amazing family time. Um, when, the, when the missions team came over last year, it was this love feast. There were people that came to graduation last year that just visited. They were invited by a friend to come to graduation. And one of them that I interviewed, that in fact, that's actually him sitting behind Jason. We call him Bishop. He's one of those devout Bishop people. And uh, he said, the reason that I applied for the school was that I came to graduation and I saw the love and I saw the family and I'd never seen that in my life before and I wanted to be a part of it and so we've we've got this family thing going we we go to the beach often it is the most beautiful beach in the world love to go there uh got some of the mission people that went with us this is what we do at the beach this is roasted fish and plantains and you eat it with this hot pepper that makes your nose run it's the best thing in the world And this is us having a love feast. They had to put together like 10 tables for us on the beach. And you just eat right there. I mean, the the surf, the the waves come up all the way almost to the table. And it's just beautiful fun in the sun, beautiful family time. And it has just been amazing to just build this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful family of um, kingdom citizens that have moved away from the way that most of church and most of society thinks and lives there in Cameroon. And they really look like, sound like, feel like the Bethel culture. Like they could come here and they'd fit right in you guys could come over there mission team and you fit right in and it's like this beautiful beautiful culture that just spreads and it's going to take over the whole world love it we had our graduation um in may and it was a wonderful wonderful time i don't have any good pictures i'm not the picture person so these are all like downloaded off people's facebook pages they're all horrible and dark and i don't have any huge group picture of us at graduation i should but i don't but graduation was beautiful um I cried through most of the graduation speeches because to hear the students do their speeches and to hear them, there's Jason again, to hear them just truly exhibit the Bethel culture and to hear them talk about the kingdom and the seven mountains and taking over the world and everything that, that, that we believe in and everything we love and everything that we do here, to hear them get up and make speeches is just... Uh, the whole day was just absolutely beautiful. This is some of my gorgeous girls and, and me on graduation day. I have on the same dress. I know that probably breaks some fashion laws. If my niece was here, she would tell me about that. But 
Um, a lot of people ask, what is my life like there? Um, I am my mother's daughter, so I live in a luxury apartment, even though I am, you know, in Africa and it's not the most, it's not, you know, there's not a lot of infrastructure. We have water every other day for about six hours. So we have to fill these tubs and, you know, when you want to use water, you got to dip water out of the tub. When you want to flush the toilet, you got to pour a bucket to flood. When you want to take a bath, you heat up water on the stove, but it's still a very, very, very nice apartment. That is, okay, that's how she grew up when she was young, but best believe that's not how she is right now. This is me uh, fetching water. There was a day during the dry season where we actually ran out of water, and so we had to go to the public tap, which you can see how that is. It's literally water, water coming from the processing plant, running just off these random pipes, and we fill them up and take them back to the house. So it can be, it can be a little difficult at times. Um, I have... <laughs> Learned how to cook African food, uh, can make some of the best dishes in African food. That's us chopping plantains so that we could make deje, which is a great American dish. I can make deje now. I can make deje. The unfortunate part of cooking is that when you get a chicken from the market, you literally, the chicken is walking around. Somebody grabs it. They pick it up. They take it round back. I've never been round back. Never want to go round back. <laughs> If you want to see round back, you can look at Jason's Facebook pictures. He's, he's been round back, but I don't want to see that, that whole process. Melissa, you've seen it too? No, I don't want to see. And so they put the chicken in hot water. They bring it back. There's still a little feather stubble on it. So when you bring it home, you got to roast the rest of the feather stubble off. But it comes with the neck and head attached and the feet. There is nothing in the world more disgusting than chicken feet. I hate. Thank you. I mean, we, D- Drew came over my first, my second visit there and somebody was crunching on a chicken foot and, I, and Drew went completely green. Like, oh, God. <laughs> so this is, you see my face at her chopping the chicken. That's, that's the grossed out by the chicken face. But, um, it's, it's been, it's been amazing. I've, I've really adapted to the culture there. And, uh, Jason has actually adapted better than me. Jason is Cameroonian. I mean, we walk down the street and say, Hey, so-and-so, Hey, Jason got his whole set of friends and places he goes, things he knows. I'll be like, where can we get? And he'll say, Oh, so-and-so has, I'm like, Jason, how do you know these things? Haven't been here near as long as I have. I want to share a few personal stories just so you can see what's happening there at, um, Bethel, this is my beloved Bessie. She's one of the staff members. And I don't even know how she... Oh, I do know how I got she... Mommy Joyce, as she's affectionately called, came over and she taught a sozo class. And Bessie just fell in love with the whole process of sozo. And so, you know, she took the class from mom. She started reading books and reading books. We brought her the videos that Felicia graciously let me borrow. And she has become the sozo queen. And she heads up our transformation center. She is absolutely amazing and gorgeous. But she's amazing. I mean, she can counsel people and the Holy Spirit's right there and transforming lives. And it's really beautiful to see her. She was a nurse and just like me, I quit my doctor job to do this. She quit her her nurse job to come work full-time in the school. And there was even a low point that I hit this year and she counseled me and I'm like, you know, going through the counseling and then I'm finished. I'm like, you are really good at this. Really good at this. So this is Bessie. Um, uh oh. This 
My pictures are awful. This is Evie. Uh, Evie is one of the amazing young ladies who really grabbed onto the message of purpose and destiny. When I first met her, she was getting a master's in biochemistry, but she always wanted to be a fashion designer. So how you end up in biochemistry when you, I don't know how that works. Probably the same way you end up in medicine when you want to, yeah, yeah, that's what happened to Evie too. And so she kind of grabbed onto the whole thing of pursue your destiny, do what you really dream to do, do what you really want to do. And so December of last year, we went to the grand opening of Masai. Sanga Fashion House. And, and literally, you walk in the, in the place, and it's like you step out of Boya into New York City. You can't tell there, but the place is fabulous. It's gorgeous. It's well-appointed and laid out, and she is making money, and she's doing well, and she's very successful. On the opening night, this young lady comes in, and she looks like a model. And so they get to talk, and they get to know each other. Turns out she's got connections in New York. She wants to get Evie connected. And she says, in about five years, you need to be doing New York Fashion Week. So she calls Evie in April and says, you need to come to New York this year. And Evie's like, What? What in the world? Next thing you know, here's Evie in New York City. Yeah. That's her there on the end doing Africa Fashion Week in New York City. And she went and tore it up. And she was supposed to come back and visit me. But she says, oh, no, we're, we're doing this um, malaria awareness fashion show for the UN. So I can't come visit, Auntie. I'm like, well, you just go ahead with your bad self then. <laughs> So I'm on her website last night and I'm in on her Facebook page and there's a a place to click and I couldn't figure out how to get the page into a picture. I am not that computer person at all. So couldn't figure out how to do that. But this is one of Evie's fashions on the runway in New York City just a few months ago. And the actual blog page was on Africa Fashion Week and it said, this is the house that can't be blown down, Masanga Fashion House. I was like, oh my God. That's amazing. So she now has some of her things in a small boutique in New York. So she's international. She's bi-continental with her fashion. So proud of her. So happy for her. This is Philip. Once again, an awful picture. We call him John G. Lake. And his favorite thing to do is preach in his burgundy velvet suit. And he is fabulous. He's amazing. He literally is John G. Lake. This woman was blind before Philip got a hold of her. And after, you know, they do the thing where, can you see, can you see how many fingers I'm holding up? And when she, when she opened her eyes and said three, they literally had to grab him and drag him out of there because he got completely and totally mobbed. He's prayed for a person with HIV, took them for the test, and the person was HIV negative. And he is just completely and totally on fire for God. So much so that him and his boys, they run deep, have started a church. And so now there is a Grace Chapel Fellowship that has been started by a group of Bethel graduates. And wow, there's a church now, which is, which is just amazing. And, and I, I got a Facebook message the other day with Silas, the guy on the end saying, we prayed for a lame boy and he ended up running around. Um, what were the other testimonies? There was a deaf guy that they prayed for and the, his ears opened up and he could hear. And I was like, did you get videos? Did you get pictures? He was like, no, auntie, we were too busy jumping and laughing and screaming and dancing. We were too busy celebrating. The deaf can now hear. I was like, well, yeah, I get, I get that. I get that. So... They started off with a small group of people in this church, and the last time they emailed me, they said, every seat in the house is full. 
And so it's just so exciting to see what they're doing and what God is, is doing through them. Just from they've, they've caught on fire with everything that they've learned and they're carrying it. This is Silas. And he is a businessman extraordinaire, self-taught. This guy is so smart, it's scary. And you talk to him or he emails you, you're like, wow, you know a lot. Where did you study? Oh, just reading books, reading books. And so he's, he's got a business that he's running. I have no idea what their business does. I have no idea. But he is all about taking over the seven mountains and his mountain is the business this mountain. And so he's got employees now with this business that they've started. And every day the employees have devotion. He's taught them about the seven, seven mountains. He releases the prophetic. They do training every day. And now when clients come in, not only do they come in for whatever the business is about, but they get prophetic ministry. So people love to come in there, even if they don't actually want to patronize the business, it's now a place that you know that you can go where you can get prophetic ministry. And this is one half of the duo, the SBB, Sherry's Bad Boys, which my mom nicknamed the first time she came over because they're such trouble, but they're, they're my heart. So this is Indol, or Charles, as we call him, and he is an amazing artist. Um, last year when the missions team came, Sharon left some paints with him, and he's been painting up a storm and painting amazing, beautiful stuff, but he's also got a, a great gift for graphic arts. And so recently, he's become the illustrator for a book that just got a publishing deal, and that is uh, none other than a fellow Bethel, dream, Bethel dreamer, my sister Joyce. She just got a publishing deal for a children's book. And Inda is going to be the illustrator for the book. And so there's just all sorts of amazing stories coming out of this. Um, I think we're going blank for a second. Yeah. All sorts of amazing stories. My heart swells with pride when I think about it. Boris has prayed for two people that got healed of HIV and he made them go and to get the test and found out that they were HIV negative after he prayed for him. And so many uh, deliverances without dishonoring people. I could tell stories of people during worship manifesting demons, like crawling like a snake on the ground. And I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) you know, I got to look like I know what I'm doing. I'm the director after all. Okay. So let's just take them in the back. Let's do deliverance. Thank God. The demons come out. The person gets miraculously delivered and speaking in tongues and a scary moment though. There's one moment we were praying for this young lady that had been demon oppressed. This is Jason's fault. Once again, he decides, remember his testimony last time that he goes into the witch doctor's house to pray for people. So this, this, you know, he prays for somebody, brings them out of the witch doctor's house. They get so miraculously healed and set free and and changed. I don't want to do too many details because I don't want to dishonor that person, but this is a great, amazing story. And so uh, she starts coming to school and she's one of those people that started coming to school and ended up finishing the year and could not understand why she couldn't graduate and she'll be back this year to finish the school. But there was a lot of demonic oppression at the very beginning. And so there was one day where it looked like she was kind of slipping backwards and we took her into the Sosa room to pray for her and we're praying and it's feeling kind of dark and scary. And I look up and there's a bat circling the ceiling. And I'm like, Bessie, is that a bat? (laughs) Yes, Auntie Sherry. Why is there a bat (laughs) in my Sosa room? Well, sometimes, and you know, they tell me witchcraft stories all the time, but I don't believe them half the time. I'm like, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Well, I saw that bat. It was very scary, but we killed the bat and swept it outside and haven't had any bad since. <laughs> that was pretty scary. But we had a lot of deliverance, a lot of healing, a lot of the miraculous. People are living their dreams and going after their dreams. And so you would think that I had the most amazing year, right? Yes, you would think I had an amazing... No. 
was one of the worst years of my entire life. This was one of my worst years ever. Um, it was hard. It was very, very hard. God showed me something. And then I, I got a prophetic word this, this weekend that actually confirmed it where the first year we kind of snuck in under the radar, radar, but this year the principalities over the area kind of turned around and said, what's going on over there? And there was just this massive spiritual attack and stuff happening that I can't even begin to explain. Broken relationships. One particular one ripped my heart out and just left me emotionally paralyzed for a very long time. There was a lot of gossip and rumors and backbiting. And I got into this yucky place of, I've given up everything to be here for you. And you have the nerve to talk about me. No, 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 that's not true. But you know, you get to that point where all your thoughts get all perverted and distorted and you look at things the wrong way. And I just got sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this yucky place and was literally immobilized. I would show up for class. I would teach. I would go home. I would be depressed and nobody knew it. I'm a great faker. You know, you can just show up and you can put on the mask and you can convince everything, everybody that everything is just fine. But inside I was dying and there were several of my staff members that just covered up for me and they would, they would, they just really just rallied around me and, and, and helped a lot. But I just went through this unexplainable dark period. Well, not completely unexplainable. I mean, there were some really difficult things that happened before the end of last year. One of the girls that used to cook for me, clean for me, lived in my house, very close to me, died. And we prayed for her for a very long time and she still died. And we got a baby from the orphanage and we thought that he had this mild, mild illness. And it turns out he's got this rare brain disease that most kids die before they reach five. And we're praying for him and praying for him and watching him get worse and worse. And it's just ripping my heart out because he's so terribly cute and beautiful and just all sorts of stuff happening. And have you ever gotten to this point where your brain, your mind becomes a fishbowl for the enemy's lies and they're just lies swimming around in your head, swimming, swimming. And just no matter how much, you know, no matter how much you've got in you on the inside, you can't seem to tap into any of those things and, and come to the truth. And so I just, I was sinking. I was in this horrible place and somehow forgot about all the amazing things that were happening. We have three people heal of HIV, but I'm like, well, he's not getting healed. And so God's not healing and just convincing myself of stuff and feeling like I didn't pour out enough on the school. I didn't give enough this year because I was absent. And so I came home feeling like I'd failed somehow this year. In spite of all the wonderful things I just told you that happened, I came home feeling like a complete and total failure, just was depressed, was it just took me a while to get right. It really, really did. And I just, I was at the point, I don't want to go back to Cameroon. I don't even want to do ministry anymore. I don't even like people, you know? I mean, it just, it gets that bad. I I remember reading the back of a book, um, some book that I read by this ministry couple that was an amazing ministry couple. And I turned over and looked at the bio and it said they used to do this and they pastored and they were all over the world. And now they live in a cabin in the woods making intercession to the Lord. And I'm like, they got sick of people. That's what happened to them. <laughs> you know, and that's just the, the point that I got to. It was just bad. All sorts of stuff going on in my mind and just did not want to go back. Was just like, I'm not going to do this school anymore. Randall Worley came over this year and it was amazing. Thank you so much, Bethel Atlanta, for sending him. It was just amazing. But I was numb while he was there. I'm like, just kind of watching it like, this is really great. This is wonderful. This is great, but just kind of numb. The the missions team came over and they were great and they were a blessing and a great time was had by all, but I'm just sort of in this place of I'm not really here. I'm just 
trying to make it to graduation. If I could just get to graduation, I can go home and this will all be over and everything will be fine. And just got here and it took a while even after being here for me to get right. You know, thank God for my family. Uh, My daddy has bought me salmon every single week. I've had grapes every single day. Just all my favorite things. You know, mama's like, you all right? I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. You all right? I'm like... We both know I'm not, but you can keep asking. Yvette has been asking me those hard best friend questions. God bless Felicia Morell. We have been out almost every single week. And she's like, well, Sherry, I mean, she just has this wonderful therapeutic personality and she'll ask me questions and she'll love on me. And I'm just like Debbie Downer, just horrible, depressed at the table. And the next week I get another email. We going out again. I'm like, are you serious? You still want to hang out with me? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, I'll be there. So just a lot of love, Steve. We had, we had lunch very close to when I got home and almost a week later, he's like, you want to get coffee? I'm like, I'm not slitting my wrist, but I just felt the love and concern. Like, let me keep an eye on her. She's not quite okay. (laughs) And so I got to a point where like, okay, summer's almost over. I'm probably going to go back. So I need to get right because I can't go back there like this. So help me get right, God. And so, you know, you have all these tools in your bag. So I pulled out one of the tools that I got from going to school, Bethel, Bethel school, um, taking a trip to heaven. So I got in my room. I turned the music on. I'm like, okay, we're going to take a trip to heaven. God's going to give us some answers. We're going to figure out what to do about all this. So here I am feeling horrible. I've, I've kind of decided I'm coming home. I'm not going to do this anymore. But what am I going to do when I get home? I'm telling you, this gets bad, right? This gets really bad. I'm like, I was a doctor, but I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. I can't go back to medicine. The writing industry has just fallen completely apart, you know, with all these changes in the writing industry. So that's not going to be enough. I have no house. I have no car. I'm a loser. I live in my parents' basement. Oh my God, I'm going to come home and live in my parents' basement and every day come upstairs and be like, uh, mom, can I borrow the car? Oh my God, I'm a loser. I'm a total, complete loser. So I don't want to go back to Cameroon. What am I going to do if I come back here? I'm going to work at Starbucks. You know, I'm going to the movies like, could I work at the movies? Like, what am I going to do if I come home? Because I am now officially a loser. I live in my parents' basement. I drive my mother's car. I don't even know how I'd pay a phone bill if I came home right now, you know? So it's like, so I'm down on myself. I'm bashing myself. I'm just like, I'm horrible. I'm nothing. This was a horrible year. I didn't do anything that I was supposed to. People didn't get healed. You know, that pity party that you have. So... I'm taking this trip to heaven and I'm just, you know, totally focused, going to heaven, going to heaven, going to heaven. And so I see myself walking into heaven and I'm just battered and ragged and my clothes are ripped to shreds and I'm just limping, barely getting into the throne room. And there's this door ahead of me and there's light emerging from this door. And I'm like, what's going on in there? And I hear cheering and screaming and laughter and just, I'm like, okay, let's go in there. I open the door and I walk in. And the angels are like, she's here. And there's this loud roar in heaven. And they start throwing roses at me. And then one of them puts this wreath of flowers around my neck. And another one comes up and puts on this golden robe around my shoulders. And I'm looking around like... What in the world is going on? And they're screaming and they're cheering and they're yelling. And the angels are like, oh my God, she's here. And I'm like, what is happening? And they're like, this is your celebration party. And I'm like, for what? And they're like, don't you know? You're one of the great champions of heaven. 
I'm like, what? You guys have got the wrong person. I'm a failure, don't you? I'm a loser. I live in my parents' basement. What are you talking about? And I'm, I'm like, I'm looking for somebody to explain this to me. And one of the angels says, okay, what are you going to do next? Because we can't wait for your next adventure. We have the most fun with you. We love following you around. We love taking care of you. We love being there for you. We, we can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm like, so completely overwhelmed. What are you talking about? So I'm looking for Father God. And, I, and he's kind of in a separate room. So I go in and I shut the door. And I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, what do you mean what's going on? I'm like, they're having a party for me. They're having a party for me out there, and I'm a complete and total failure. I messed up this year. I wasn't there for my kids. I didn't pour into them. I was absent. I hated everything. I was mad at you the whole year. I felt like you left me out there by myself. I felt like you abandoned me. I hated you. I hated everything. What are you talking about? And God is so loving. He puts his hands on my shoulders, and he says, you still don't know. You still don't know, do you? And he goes, you are an amazing champion. You did something amazing this year. Nobody has ever done what you did this year. And we are here to celebrate you. So you need to get with this party. And you need to understand who you are in heaven. So I went back out to the party. I'm like, God is so crazy. I'm like, are you coming? He goes, I'm already out there. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. You're, you're everywhere. You're God, yeah. So... <laughs> So I go, I go back out to the party and we are just having the best time. You guys think we know how to party on earth? Oh my God. The angels are totally crazy. There was me and this one angel. We're laying down under these fountains that are pouring out this glory juice. And we're like, just drinking, drinking, drinking. And I get up and I'm like so completely drunk and they're throwing me up in the air. And it's just crazy. We're like partying so hard. And I'm like, God, this is how they party in heaven. Oh, it was the best party ever. And it was just amazing. And I'm sitting there, you know, at some point I'm just kind of stumbling around drunk from the glory juice, whatever that was we were drinking. And I'm just like, wow. And I realized something so important that heaven has a completely different value system from earth. Completely different value system from earth. And I came away with two thoughts, two questions, two thoughts that led to questions. But the first question, the first thought was, the first realization was, heaven sees me differently than I see myself. I came up here as a failure. I came up here as someone that hadn't accomplished anything this year, that was ready to throw in the towel, a loser living in my parents' basement. But in heaven, your basement is wonderful. It's a great basement. It is. It's a wonderful basement. You guys should see the basement. It's like a luxury apartment. It really is. Not hating on the basement at all. Seriously. But <laughs> it was clear to me that heaven has a different view of me than I actually have of myself. So all these thoughts I was thinking about me, heaven had a completely different thought. And then the second realization was heaven sees the affairs of earth far different from how we see them. Because I'm, I'm like, 
I don't have anything. Like, I've given away everything to be over there. All my savings, all my everything. It took everything to build that school. If I come back here, I come back with nothing. Literally, being a Starbucks barista is not so far out of the question. And so here I'm thinking I'm poor, I'm broke. I've gotten used to referring my, to myself as the broke missionary. There was one day where we, were, we hadn't had water in three days. The bucket was like this much left. And it's like, okay, I got to go fetch some water. So there's a picture. I couldn't find it, but there's a picture of me with all these water bottles going down to the school to fetch water. And I'm walking down this dirty, rocky hill that we have to go down and go up everywhere we go. I'm going down the hill and walking down the hill. And I'm looking at my water bottles, about to catch a taxi, and no telling how many people. I think we've, we've had a record of eight, nine people in a small Toyota Corolla taxi. Literally, you ride two, three, two people in the front seat with the driver, and then four deep in the back, and then maybe you can fit people in. So I'm getting ready to take one of these trips, and I'm like, look at Dr. Lewis now. You know, it's like, all of a sudden, I'm not a doctor. I'm a broke missionary. But I understood in that, hev- in that moment that in heaven... Being a broke missionary has really high value, probably in my own life, a higher value than being a doctor, quite honestly. So success in heaven and success on earth are two completely different things, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She's even got snot all coming out my nose. Thank you. (laughs) So... Realizing these two things, that heaven sees me differently than I see myself, and heaven sees the affair, affairs of earth far different from how I see them, led me to some questions. Who am I in heaven? What is my true identity? And then what is really important in heaven? What is important to heaven? What does heaven really value? What's really valuable and important there? So I'm going to deal with the second one first because I really want to dig in. Uh Uh-oh, there's some stuff missing at the bottom. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, you read it to me in a second because I I can't at all remember what's down there. So what is important to heaven? Last last year when I spoke, I talked about the God zone. And it was this this place. I'm going to write a book about it one day. I am. I know. I'm going to write a book about it. The God zone. It's this place where... The purposes of God are so concentrated where this is where God's heart is. This is where heaven's heart is. This is what heaven wants to do. And it's a hot spot. You know, everywhere God wants to do an amazing work. But I believe there's some hot spots that at certain seasons and certain times, God wants to do something amazing. Atlanta is definitely one of those places. It's about to jump off in this city and just be amazing. And we're so honored to be a part of it. But I realized that Cameroon was a hot spot where God wanted to do something amazing. And all he needed was a warm body and a willing heart and I jumped into that place and I experienced this supernatural place of provision, of protection, of the fact that we have a school that's so well run at this point is just a miracle because it just, it came together, the, 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 the way the building came, the way the finances came, the way everything came together was nothing short of completely supernatural. And so when you get into your God zone, that place in the earth where God is moving and doing something amazing and he just needs somebody to fill into that slot, you will experience this amazing, amazing, just wind beneath your wings where everything just falls into place and everything's happened. Even though I had this 
quote unquote horrible year, there were still just so many miracles of provision, so many miracles that happened. You know, the, 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 the place where we were renting, uh, our lease was up and they wanted to use the buildings for something else. And there it's hard to come by a nice, large building in, in Boya. And we just kept looking and kept looking and kept looking. And not only did we find an, a new building, but it's bigger and better and more beautiful and cheaper. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happens all the time. And it's in a better neighborhood. I mean, it's just everything about it is better. So being in this God zone is finding what is important to heaven and then how can I become a part of it? Because you know, once you lock into that space, you're going to have an amazing, amazing ride. So what is really on God's agenda? What is he doing? What is he dreaming about? What is his heart? One, a, a line from a an Israel Houghton song is break my heart with the things that break your heart. And when you pray that to God and you find out, God, what is your heart breaking over in the earth right now? What is your heart breaking over? And where can I plug myself in to be a part of what heaven is doing, a part of what heaven is valuing, a part of what is important to heaven? And therefore, my life gets to be important and amazing and miraculous and supernatural. So what is on heaven's agenda? Blake, what does that last line say? Is it? Oh, okay. Well, okay, so it's not really anything. What really matters in the grand scheme of things? You know, what's really, really important? Sometimes when I come back here after living in a place of, of poverty and just such difficulty where so many things that we take here for granted are not over there. And so I come back and people are complaining about this and that and this. And I'm like, Really? Really? Come on. That doesn't matter. There's people that don't eat. There's people that don't get medical care. There's people that die from somebody doing witchcraft. Really? Come on. Is that really, really important? So how do we propel our minds to this place of finding out what really matters in the grand scheme of things? What really matters to heaven? So what is important to heaven? That's a very important question to ask. Okay. This next set of questions Either take notes or listen to the podcast because I'm not preaching on purpose and destiny again. So I want you all to take notes and do the assignment so I don't have to preach on this again. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. So here's the question. Who am I in heaven? Graham Sermon has this, uh, Graham Sermon. Graham Cook has this amazing sermon that I've listened to so many times. We played in the school. It's called uh, Living in Your Truest Identity. And it talks about what is your identity in heaven? How does heaven actually see you? Because here I am in this vision, in this trip to heaven, walking in with my clothes ripped to shreds, bruised, battered, poor, hunched over, messed up. But when I get in there, the only thing ripped is me. I mean, I'm Xena warrior princess. When I get there, I'm totally ripped muscles everywhere with this Xena warrior. I got huge quads and I'm just like, "Ah!" looking so amazingly powerful, you know, and I just look like this amazing warrior queen. So in my mind, I'm totally falling apart, but in heaven, I'm a warrior champion. I'm a warrior queen. And so I challenge each one of you to, whether it's a prophetic word from somebody, and a lot of you have prophetic words over your life, whether it's taking your own trip to heaven, whatever it is, find out how heaven actually sees you. Because if the angels are looking at me like, what are you going to do next? I must be pretty amazing. And if I don't realize how amazing I am, I'm going to continue this swirl downward into complete despondency because I don't know who in heaven I am. There's a scripture that says, no, no man after the flesh. This includes you. Don't know yourself as this fleshly self, but come to know who you are 
through heaven's mind, through heaven's thoughts, through heaven's eyes. One of my favorite Bill Johnson quotes, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind about myself that God doesn't have about me. So when you look in the mirror, when you look at yourself, when you look at your life, when you look at where you are, what is heaven saying? Not what you think, not your thoughts, not your feelings. You know, if I see myself as falling apart or whatever, but I'm actually a Xena warrior queen, you know, in heaven, and I'm ripped and totally just fabulous and amazing, then I would do well to see myself that way on earth. So what is your true identity? What is your true purpose? What is your true destiny? Who are you really? And how does heaven really see you? Okay, we're about to make this sermon legal because we're having an actual scripture. Da-da-da, so it's legal. So one of, to me, one of the scariest scriptures in the Bible is Lamentations 1 and 9, where the prophet Jeremiah is weeping over Israel, weeping over what she's become, talking about how she was supposed to be a great nation. She was supposed to be a great princess. She was supposed to be a great queen. But instead, she just fell completely apart and went into captivity. And the reason? She did not consider her destiny. And therefore, her collapse was great. That's a pretty scary scripture when you think about it. If you don't consider your destiny, then your collapse could be pretty great. At worst, I mean at best, you just never become what you're supposed to be. But at the very worst, you can get into this place where the enemy is spiraling all these things through your mind, all these lies, and can completely destroy you. I mean, thank God for my foundation in Bethel, for my foundation in God, for my foundation in the world, in the word, um, you know, for that, that gift of being able to take a trip in the spirit that turned everything around. But you got to have those tools and you got to use those tools, you know, because the enemy could have really taken me further and further and further downward to where, because I don't know that in heaven, I'm a warrior queen because I don't know that I'm someone that the angels admire and follow around because I don't know my destiny. My collapse could have been very, very great. So let's ask those questions. What is the highest and best that I can be? And when I become my best me, what amazing things will I be able to do? And this should just lead us to a place of totally and completely dreaming with God. That's, that's been my goal this summer is to dream with God. You know, before I quit my job, I was waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God. But what I've learned from, from being in this, in this ministry is that often we're waiting on God and he's waiting on us. When he deposits a certain amount of his spirit in us and we become uh, intimate with him and get into close relationship with him, learn to hear his voice. And we get intimate to the point where his voice becomes our voice and we hear the thoughts of heaven over us. He's no, we're no longer waiting for something to happen, but you can dream and take a risk and dash off into your dreams. So if we don't consider our destiny and our collapse is great, on the flip side of that, our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And what's beyond asking or thinking, according to Graham Cook, my new favorite, it's dreaming. And so we need to get into that place of dreaming with God, where we're able to enter into the heavenly places and see, who am I really? 
Who am I really? What, what is my true identity? And then after you get that revelation, it's your responsibility to do something about it. So let's say you get this amazing prophetic word, or let's say you take this amazing trip to heaven and God shows you, you as you really are. And you get to see the real you that you were made to be before the foundations of the earth. Then what do you do? You start to ask other questions. What environment, relationships, circumstances, resources do I need to be the best me that I can be? And then you go after it. What relationship habits, wounds, toxins, lies, and thought patterns do I need to do? To, do I need to get rid of to be the best me? Because some of us were our own enemy. You know, the way you think, the way you see the world, your perspective is what will keep you from ever becoming everything that heaven ordained you to be. So do what you got to do. Get a Sozo. We have an amazing Sozo team here. Get deliverance. Yeah, amazing Sozo team. Get deliverance. Get whatever it is that you need and then start thinking differently. Start changing your thinking habits. There's a... Um, um, a series by Graham Cook that I listened to. It's called The Art of Thinking Brilliantly. And it's six messages. And I've listened to that whole series. I'm in the fifth time of listening to it. And the other day I'm like, hey, I'm starting to think brilliantly. You know? But it, it takes that. It takes you renewing your mind, changing your mind, changing the way you think, changing your perspective. So not only do you understand who you are in heaven, but you understand how heaven thinks and how heaven operates. So get a sozo. Read some book. Get some counseling. Do whatever you have to do. Get rid of relationships that are unhealthy for you. Put those people out of your life that would keep you from becoming everything that you're supposed to do, to be. Get rid of old wounds, old toxins, old stuff, and be responsible for becoming that person that heaven sees you as. You have to play a part in living your truest identity. And I just want to share a couple of my resources. You're responsible for you. You're responsible for doing that. Brilliantbookhouse.com is uh, Graham Cook's website, and they've got amazing resources. I live on iBethel TV. Live there. There are sermons there all the time. There's worship there. You know, it gets to the point where you have no excuse. Like, if you were in Africa and you didn't have fast internet, you didn't have the bookstore, you didn't have all these resources, then I could partially say, okay, well, yeah, you can't do no better. But we're living in the land of opportunity where there's YouTube. I've been living on YouTube the whole summer. Amazing worship, amazing sermons. It's free. Even if you can't order anything, there's sermons that are free that you can listen to every day to begin to change your mind and change the way you think. Develop relationships with people that can help you grow. This is a beautiful church full of loving, wonderful people that have gold on the inside of them. Don't sit in here and die quietly. Reach out to somebody for help. I swear if it wasn't for coffee with Felicia every week, I'd be out my mind right about now. You know, but, but reach out to people, develop relationships with people that love you, that can speak life into you, that can prophesy into you, that can say, you have a problem here. She tells me all the time, hmm, now that's a lie. I'm like, sorry, that's a lie? Yeah, what's the truth? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's true. No, pretty sure that's a lie. Okay. You know, people that can challenge you to think the way God thinks and that, that can challenge you to think the way heaven thinks. There was a certain thing that I needed to get out of that I was talking to Yvette about and she just kept asking me questions, asking me questions like, well, don't you think? Well, don't you think? Well, don't, and finally, I got the curse of death, the kiss of death. I, 
I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> she, done, she done said, all right, I'm in the wrong place. I'm not listening to reason and coming back. I got, all right, okay, let me, let me think about this. So reach out to people, reach out for help, listen to great sermons, look at iBethel TV. If you, you know, you can either get a subscription or you can, if you listen in time, the stuff is on there free for a certain period of time, get in a community home group here. They're, they're life. They're absolutely life. When you have more time to commit, come to Bethel Life every single week. I don't want to hear... I don't hear from God. You are in a place that will teach you to hear from God. No excuse. You can learn to hear from God if you don't hear from him right now. And then you can really take the plunge and go to Bethel school. It is amazing and life changing. There is no reason that each and every one of us isn't in here should not live the most amazing heavenly life possible because we've got so much available to us. I dare you to sign up for school this year and to go to this to school this year and, and see if you don't come out taking your own trips to heaven. See if you don't come out changing people's lives. My daddy is here nodding. You guys, you guys, if you don't know my dad, when I was first making this transition, my dad went through this horrible, horrible illness and almost died. And the first Sunday he came back, God gave him a miracle and he got up out of his wheelchair and walked and he finished Bethel first year this year. So it's just a miracle that God has done that. And uh, now everyone in his vicinity has to take trips to heaven. Do you know about trips to heaven? Like calls up his sister. Do you know about trips to heaven? People come over the house to visit. Do you want to take a trip to heaven? Okay, dad, calm down. (laughs) He's about to start second year this year because it's really life transforming. So here's my challenge to you. Spend some time with the father this week. If you are one of those people that says, I don't hear from God. I don't know how to take trips from heaven. I don't have a prophetic gift. Then find somebody here. There are so many people here that are so amazingly gifted. I've gotten words that have carried me on this journey. Those words have been life to me. Just words from the father speaking to my soul, telling me exactly what to do. So gather some people say, Hey, I need a prophet. I'm a word hog. I will go up and say, give me a prophetic word and wait with my iPhone until they give it to me. Ask, ask for what you need. Develop relationships with people that can pour into you and that can speak life into you. Listen to sermons, read books, go to community groups, come to Bethel Life, enroll in the school, and then become everything that heaven has ordained you to be. Amen? Okay, let me pray over you. Just assume the position. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful, wonderful community of believers. And I just thank you, God, that heaven has amazing thoughts over each and every one of us. And I thank you, God, that you cause us to have divine encounters that lead us into heaven's thoughts over us. God, if there's anyone in this room that's in that position where their their mind has become that fishbowl where the lies of the enemy are swimming around and they're spiraling, we just break that right now in the name of Jesus. We just declare soundness of mind. I just declare a perspective change that you would be able to think like heaven thinks and see like heaven thinks. I just break that right now in Jesus name. And I declare that your mind is free, that you're full of joy, that you're full of life, that you're full of light and that the light of heaven is shining into your mind right now to where you no longer believe the lies of the enemy, but you see them as exactly what they are, lies. And I just thank you, God, that there's just an awesome download to every single person in this place. Awesome downloads from heaven on our truest identity. God, that you would give us visions 
that you would give us dreams, that you would give us encounters, that you would give us trips to heaven, and that you would help each and every one of us truly understand our true identity, that you would help us to truly understand who we are in heaven and how heaven sees us, that you would lead us into our God zone so that we can live that amazing, miraculous, supernatural life. I just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.